Welcome to the Hope Unlimited Church podcast. We are so honored to connect with you, and we pray that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Malachi chapter 4, I want to show this interesting parallel here. Parallel here. The very last prophecy of the Old Testament is the very first prophecy reiterated in the New Testament. I want to show you this. Malachi chapter 4, verse 5. Lo, I will send you the prophet Elijah before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes. He will turn. Everybody say turn. Say turn. He will turn the hearts of parents to their children. King James says it with even a little bit more punch. Hearts of fathers to sons and the hearts of children to their parents. He will turn the hearts of parents to children children to parents what is he talking about there family right he'll turn the hearts of parents to children and children to parents so that i will not come and strike the land with a curse he'll turn the hearts of parents to children children to parents so that now this line's very important so that i will not come and strike the earth with a curse right you all with me so far yes yes Flip over to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, verse number 17. The angel is talking to Zechariah about John the Baptist. The angel is uttering something about John the Baptist, and this is what he says in verse 17. With the spirit and power of Elijah, he being John, will go before him, being Jesus. He will go before him to turn the hearts of parents to their children. Then he changes it. And the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous. Then he changes it again to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Malachi said, I'm going to turn hearts toward each other so I don't smite the earth with a curse. John said, we're going to turn hearts to, or Zechariah said, the angel said to Zechariah, we're going to turn hearts toward each other to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. You with me so far? Promise you this is all going to connect. Flip over to Acts real quick. If you've not heard this in the last six weeks, you've just not been paying attention. Acts chapter 2. I'll start reading with verse number 42. This is after Peter's sermon. Thousands get saved. The church has been launched. And it tells us what life after that revival looked like. What life after that move looked like. I preached a message here. What does this mean And what do we do with what this means? The Holy Spirit has come. That's what this means. And what do we do with it? We give ourselves to it. Verse 42. They devoted themselves. This is after the moving of the Spirit and the church is launched. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread and prayers. All came upon everyone. Because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together 
and had all things in common. Is this not the most beautiful picture? They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, watch this line. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were saved. Look at verse 46. Day by day, they spent much time together. Jump down to 47. Day by day, the Lord added to their number. Day by day, they broke bread. Day by day, God added to them. Okay. Day by day, they broke bread. Day by day, God added to them. That's good, brother. Thanks. You know... As a church, especially as Pentecostals, we like to pride ourselves on how radical we are for Jesus. Right. We like to pride ourselves on that because I raise my hands in church. I'm on fire. And I'm glad you do. I want you to raise your hands in church. I raise my hands in church. We view ourselves as radical, right? All of these Pentecostal expressions. Somebody at work said something I didn't like and I walked up to them and I told them exactly what the Bible had to say about it because I'm radical. And then they don't talk to me anymore. But the Bible said, blessed are those that are persecuted for righteousness sake. And it's just persecution. There is a difference between being persecuted for righteousness sake and being persecuted for obnoxious sake. And a lot of our persecution is self-inflicted. It's not because we're righteous. It's because we're weird. Don't get it mixed up. (laughs) So we call ourselves radical in those ways. As Pentecostals and really all Christians, we're, we're super, this is going to sound terrible when I say it, but I want you to hear me. We're super uh, Jesus-y. And I'm going to explain what that means. <laughs> like, we, we're just like, it's all about Jesus. And it is. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. I agree with you. It is all about Jesus. He is the visible image of the invisible God. He is the express image of who God is. Jesus is the most amazing figure to ever grace us because he shows us what it means to be fully God and what it means to be fully us at the same time. Right? And we pride ourselves on that. I just love Jesus and he is my Jesus and he is we're just so Jesusy and we really don't even know anything about him. We know he died on the cross. Can't really articulate why. Not really sure what happened. We just thankful that he did it. We're super Jesus-y. And we call ourselves radical. But we're not radical in the same way that Jesus was radical. We walk around rebuking everybody that's committing a sin and doing something we don't agree with. I'm going to drop a revelation on you right now. going to blow your mind. You ready? You, re- you ain't ready. You ready? 
Watch this. I want to help you. I'm going to put your mind at ease. I'm going to change your life. Sinners sin. Selah. You see things online, you see some, somebody do, doing something crazy, and it goes all viral all over Facebook, and people are like, oh, my God, did you see that? Yeah, and I am not at all surprised. Why are we scratching our heads confused like, how did this happen? Sinners sin. We're not radical in the same way that Jesus was radical. We are radical in our Pentecostal worship, and we need to be. We need to be. We are radical in how much we stand up for the truth, and we need to be. There is no doubt about that. But we're not radical in that we don't love people like Jesus loved people. We're not willing to sit at tables with people that Jesus was willing to sit at tables with. And we pride ourselves on being ultra Jesus-y. We don't forgive each other the same way Jesus forgives us. Jesus, are y'all with me this morning? Jesus said, when you went and you clothed the naked and you fed the hungry and you gave something to drink to the thirsty and you took care of the poor, you did that to me. And we claim to love Jesus so much, but we don't by how we treat each other. What you, what we do to each other, we do to him. No, 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 no. What we do to each other, we do to him. We think we have this in our minds. We have this in our minds that, that the, the greatest commandment is love God and love your neighbor as yourself, right? It's kind of, he said it was one and the same, but we, we, we make it a hierarchy. Number one, love God. And I love God so much. I love God. I love God. I, love God. I want you to love God. We love God and then we love our neighbor. And Jesus says that is, that is completely incorrect. You only love God rightly by how you love your neighbor. And if you don't love them well, you're not loving him in truth. Can I get just a hint of a hallelujah from somebody? All right. You know that, that, that scripture I'm just quoting to you. You're with me? Are y'all with me? That scripture I'm just quoting to you about when I was in jail, when I was in prison, you fed me. He didn't say when you were a worldwide famous popular preacher, you fed me. When you were a felon. How, not how you treated the innocent, how you treated the guilty. How you treated the poor. Well, they're poor because they're addicted to drugs. Exactly. And that's still where Jesus is at. We're not radical like that. We're not radical like that. We'll go to a prophetic conference. You can slap us upside the head. Give us 42 words. We'll write all of them down. Throw the oil. Lay the hands. Pour us in whatever you want to do. Because we radical, but not like Jesus. You know that scripture that says, when I was in prison, you came to see me. When I was hungry, you came. And then he follows that up with the parable of the sheep and the goats. And that, he ends that parable with our favorite verse. And the sheep will go into everlasting life, but the goats into everlasting destruction. Yes, we love that part. 
and we completely divorce the parable from the context. You came and saw me. You tended to me when I was homeless. You ministered to me when I was poor. And then he jumps into sheep and goats. And we pride ourselves on being sheep. But the only difference between the sheep and the goats is how the sheep feel about the goats. You're not a sheep because you prayed a prayer when you were 12 at a youth camp. You are sheep because you tend to the least of these. Jesus, let me say it like this. When the angel comes to Zechariah, he says, I'm going to turn. I'm going to turn. And this is what's weird. This is, this is another weird Pentecostal thing that we have. Pentecostals, especially Pentecostal preachers, they're overly fascinated with John the Baptist. They, they fancy themselves as John the Baptist because John the Baptist called people serpents and I want to be able to talk to people however and that's my biblical proof that I can do that. Locust in camel's hair, preaching repentance. Glory to God. But this is what John came to do. Watch. John came. John came to prepare people for him. And the way he prepared people for him was he got them to turn their hearts toward each other. The reason the message of community and family is resonating with us right now is because he will not move among us if we don't move toward each other. I'm going to turn the hearts of fathers to children and I'm going to turn the hearts of children to fathers and make them ready for him. That's why the scripture said day by day they broke bread and day by day the Lord added to them. It was their turning toward each other that created the place that God could do his best work. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And everybody that I've talked to, we want God to move in Knoxville. We want God to shake Knoxville. We want a spirit-filled church that'll just see the move of God, the power of God, and the revival sweep through all of us. And we want the we want oh, and when they start preaching it, we want this and we want that. And I'm with you. I'm with you. But he can't do that unless you and I do this. Until our hearts turn toward one another instead of turning away from one another. And we turn away from each other over the most foolish of things. Over the most foolish of things. We'll turn away from each other over stuff that's not even true. We'll turn away from each other over slights that we made up in our mind that didn't even really exist. And I'm going to choose not to be in community and covenant with those people. And I'm going to turn my heart away from them and then still have the nerve to say we want God to do something incredible. Day by day, they broke bread together. And as a result, day by day, God added to them. That's what it means to be prepared for him. That means we turn toward each other and go after the same thing. Are you with me? Let me read you something. Flip over to, uh, flip over to, to, uh, 
flip over to Romans for me. Go to Romans. We'll start with Romans 13. This might not be speaking to you, but it's speaking to me. And I do believe it is speaking to us as a church. Romans 13, I'll start reading. We'll start reading with verse number 8. Owe no one anything except to love one another. It is amazing how we read the Bible and and just flat just don't get it. You ever notice it? You ever read the Bible for years and somebody preach on a text that you've read a hundred times and finally the light switch comes on? You're like, I've read that my whole life and now it makes sense. Y'all are awfully quiet this morning. It's because I'm talking about loving people. (laughs) And you're thinking about every one of them. Rhonda at work. Jim at the office. And if your name's Rhonda or Jim, I just came up with those. I don't mean that legitimately. Owe no one anything except to love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covenant, shall not, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Jump over to chapter 14. Paul just keeps going for three chapters. Welcome those who are weak in the faith. Now, that is so difficult. Welcome those. He didn't say welcome those that are young in the faith. Welcome those that are weak in the faith. It's not that they're just immature. It's that they are exceedingly difficult. It's not that they haven't known the Lord for very long and you just got to be patient with them. It's that they've known the Lord for a long time and they become more unlike him every day. Welcome those that are weak in the faith. But not for the purpose of quarreling over opinions. Now look at how base Paul makes this. Some believe in eating anything. We are literally, Paul's literally writing a letter about your food choices. You know why? I know why Paul had to do this. I know why Paul had to do this. I know why. Because some people in the church got upset and started talking about, did you see what they were eating? Did you see what movie they watched? They posted it on Facebook. I don't think I can worship with them anymore. (laughs) Should I say it or should I not? Eject, eject. I hear my wife saying, don't do it, honey. Some believe in eating anything while the weak eat only vegetables. Because the weak are so much more holy than the rest of us. (laughs) Oh, man. Those who eat must not despise those who abstain. And those who abstain, Paul is having to write about vegetables. 
The greatest literary work Paul ever penned was the book of Romans. And Paul is having to talk about eating your vegetables or not. Because we will never miss a good opportunity to get offended over something so stupid. Right? Never waste a good opportunity to get offended. Some of y'all look for it. Some of y'all go chasing down and stalking the social media of the people you don't like just so you can get mad. You're scrolling through months worth. Did you see what they posted back in 2013? Oh my God. Who knows? God could have dealt with them. God could have changed them. God could have trained them. It doesn't matter. Y'all are so quiet. You know why? Because you know you do it. Scrolling. Posted 312 weeks ago. That's like six years ago. Those who eat must not despise those who abstain. And those who abstain must not pass judgment on those who eat. For God has welcomed them. God has welcomed people that do not believe like you. That's a revelation. God has welcomed people that do not view the world exactly how you view the world. God has welcomed people that don't vote like you. God has welcomed people that watch things you don't watch and do things you don't do. And God has still welcomed them. And my point is, if unless we turn toward each other, he will not move in our midst. Day by day they broke bread and then day by day he added to them. Right? We want God to move. We want God to move among us, but he can't move among us unless we move toward one another. And we can't move toward one another unless we put down all of this petty nonsense. You hearing what I'm saying? (laughs) So many things I could say right now. Verse 4. Who are you to pass judgment on the servants of another? Well, they not his servant. The Bible just said he welcomed them. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? If we judged sin in our own life as ruthlessly as we judge it in somebody else's life, we would never have another rock to throw for the rest of our life. Speck. Beam, speck, beam. Who are you to judge another man's servant? It is before their own Lord that they stand or fall. Watch. This is really going to bother you. Watch, throw that up there. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It's before their own Lord that they stand or fall, and God's not going to let them fall. You know when you're waiting for something bad to happen to them? As a sign that God affirmed you and judged them? I had a a preacher friend one time. Wonderful guy. Phenomenal preacher. Phenomenal preacher. But he had that thing about him that, that God loved him more than anybody else. And I don't mean like... 
I don't mean like Goldie, like I'm God's favorite. I don't mean that. No, I mean like he literally believed that God did not love you and he loved me. Right. You were insignificant and I'm powerful. That's what he believed. And we went to, I went to a meeting with him one time and there was, he was up preaching and he was saying some very controversial things. It was great. It was awesome. And the guy, there was a guy on the front, I didn't mean it like that, but it was, it was powerful. There was a guy on the front row that was visibly upset at what he was saying. Visibly upset. Like he was turned off by the, by, by just everything about it. Okay. He was, the guy was preaching and they on the front row, visibly upset. We come home three days later, three days later, the guy on the front row had a, he was a, he was a grandfather, had kids and grandkids, dies tragically in a motorcycle accident. Word gets back to us. I go tell my friend, hey, this happened to that guy. He said, well, of course it did. Meaning because of how he received me or how he refused to receive me, God judged him for it. You can't be more unchristian than that. Who are you to judge somebody else? It's before their own Lord that they will rise or fall, and God's not going to let them fall. Meaning people that don't think like you, people that vote differently than you, people that view the world differently than you, God's going to bless them too, and we have to deal with it. Before their own Lord, they stand or fall, and God's not going to let them fall, and they will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make them stand. It did not say the Lord is going to change them to be like you. With them being completely different, with them not eating their vegetables, the Lord's going to make them stand and be blessed, even though they are everything the opposite of who you are. See, we're not radical like that. We're not radical like that. And the command is our hearts, our hearts have to turn toward those people. I, I haven't made this statement yet, and I probably shouldn't. I probably never regret this. But there's something that I love about our church, that this is the most bipolar, schizophrenic church when it comes to politics that I've ever seen in my life. You have people on both sides and on the extreme. And then a lot of people in the middle and other people somewhere, depends on what day it is. Right. And I love it. I love it. I don't want us to be one way. And I don't want us to think one way. And I don't want us to view the world one way. And don't, don't start, oh, see, you want babies to die? Stop with all that nonsense. I ain't got time for it. I love the fact that we're like that. That we can see things radically different. <laughs> and y'all can post snarky stuff toward each other on Facebook. Still come to church and set up a tent together. Glory to God. <laughs> I love it. Because in the middle of all of that difference, we're going to turn toward each other. And day by day, if we break bread, day by day, he will add to us. Hearing what I'm saying? I've been wanting to say that for a long time. 
Look at chapter 14 again. Look at verse 13. Look at verse 13. Let us therefore no longer pass judgment on one another. Paul's just keeping on going. Let us no longer pass judgment on one another, but resolve instead never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of another. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. Nothing's unclean. He's talking about, he's talking about food. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing's unclean, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it's unclean. If your brother or sister is being injured by what you eat or what you post or what you say or how you act or what you rub in their face, you are no longer walking in love. We're not radical like that. We'll speak in tongues, but we won't love like that. We'll speak in tongues extra if it keeps us from having to love like that. I tell the Lord that all the time. I hate fasting. Lord, I will pray extra if you won't make me fast. Do not let what you eat cause the ruin of one for whom Christ died. Now, you have to see Paul is using the most basic human function in the world. This is what Paul's trying to communicate that we do not get in America at all. This is what Paul's trying to communicate. That if you're going to live Christianly, it is we before me. That the good of the community is put ahead of the good of myself. That's not an American value. That's a Christian value. So do not let your good be spoken of as evil. And then he just keeps talking about food. Jump down to verse 15. Not verse 15. Chapter 15. We who are strong. Everybody say strong. Ought to put up with the failings of the weak. And not to please ourselves. Each of us must please our neighbor for the good purpose of building up the neighbor. We who are strong ought to put up with the failings of the weak. You and I are as strong. You and I are strong only if we can tolerate the failures and the frustrations of other people. Only to the degree that we can tolerate them. Anybody can hold a grudge. But it takes a strong person to extend grace. Anybody can fire off on Facebook. Right? I see it all the time. I'm like, there's no way you would say that to them in person. There's no way. Digital courage. Should I say it or not? What I love is when somebody fires off and you click on their profile picture and they're like holding the stuff like a kitten. They're like holding a kitten and you're like, bro, 
if you're going to talk like that, at least Photoshop your head on Dwayne Johnson's body. <laughs> Haters going to say it's Photoshopped. <laughs> to the degree that we can tolerate each other is to the degree that we're strong. You hear me? Forget, there is no weakness in forgiveness. It takes strength to forgive. It takes strength to let down the walls and choose to enter back into this for the sake of him. That's strength. It's not strength to be bold and brash and hold somebody in prison for the rest of their life. Because they hurt you or offended you or ate their vegetables and you don't believe in eating vegetables. That's what Paul's saying. The church is splitting over vegetables. But to the degree that you're strong is to the degree that we can take all of the hurt, all of the pain, all of the resentment, all of the bitterness, all of the offense, all of the frustration, and put it to the side and say, I'm going to turn toward you, and you're going to turn toward me, and then we're going to be ready for him to do what he wants to do. That's what this family must look like. That's what this family must look like. I know people, Gentry, where are you at, brother? Come on up. I know people that, that they pride themselves on cutting people off. If you do me wrong, I just cut you off. I don't care. I just go on. Been married nine times. I just cut people off. That's the only way I can encapsulate the attitude. Just cut you off. And that's fine. But you only do that because you're weak. That's weakness. Because strength says, this hurts, this is frustrating, I'm mad, I'm hurt, and I'm angry. But I'm going to extend grace and forgiveness. And I'm going to choose to continue to walk in this family with you. It's Christianity 101 that you never leave a place offended. Don't ever leave a church offended. Only leave because he told you to. Never, that's why he uses the language of being planted. You never jerk your roots out of the soil of a place. Do you know the trauma that happens when you rip roots out of the ground? Do you know how likely it is that that plant will never live in other soil anywhere else? It's not being a strong person to cut people off. It's not strength. What is strong is Jesus letting Judas dip first. And I know what you're about to do. But we're still going to sit at this table. 
love Jesus. We radical for Jesus. And then we pray things like, Lord, make me like you. He's going to. And he's going to use other people to do it. Other people are his tool. You want him to work on you? He's going to pull out the scalpel of your boss. Of that person at church that you would just rather that when you walk in and you notice they're not there. Now I can give them a praise. This is what family means. This is what community means. We can either be that Acts 2 community, day by day breaking bread and day by day God adding to us, or we can just be drive through church attenders. You hearing what I'm saying? Man, it is awfully quiet in here. Y'all got some text messages to send after this, don't you? Stand up on your feet. got some Facebook posts to delete after this, don't you? I posted something the other day on Facebook. I didn't find it offensive. (laughs) Not at all. It was actually, I thought it was hilarious. I had somebody that I love very deeply reach out and say, listen, I know how you feel about this, and it wasn't political, so calm down. They said, but, you know, that kind of stung me a little bit. And I had an option. I could have said, (laughs) really? Oh, man, you're so weak. Or I could have been strong. And I said, I'm sorry. I would never want to do that. I would never never purposefully do that. And I took it down. Because if you injure another, That's why the Bible says only a fool gives full vent to his emotions. Because if you injure another, you're no longer walking in love. And I want to see Jesus move in Knoxville. Can I get a witness from somebody? But in order for us to be ready for him to do that, our hearts have to turn toward each other. In family and in community. Amen. Father, we love you this morning. We thank you. I thank you for this family. I thank you for this community. I thank you for them. I thank you for this house that you're building. These people whose hearts you are knitting together in relationship and in love. And let it happen in us. We don't want to be a drive-through. We want to be an Acts 2 community that has your spirit moving in our midst. And everybody said amen. All right, listen, we love you so much. I want to remind you, uh, number one, you can drop your offering off on the way out today. And uh, we thank you so much for that. Number two, Wednesday night, students in Revelation. And thirdly, next steps happening right now in our next steps room hope unlimited we love you so very much to our online family we love you like crazy and we can't wait to see you god bless you we'll see you next week
Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit hopeunlimited.church slash give. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Unlimited Church.